Well, good morning, church. I should be on. Am I on? Am I on? Test, test. <clears throat> I want to play a little game with you this morning. Everybody feeling uh, like a game this morning? You didn't know you were coming to church to play games, but now you know. It's a little game called uh, Inferior Superior. You want to play this game with me? Uh, I am fairly confident as a professor that everyone in the room can do well on this exam, um, this game. I, I went from game to exam. You see how I, I worked that in there? So you're going, to enjoy, uh, you're going to enjoy this little quiz that we have for you this morning. All right. Uh, again, confident that all of you can do really, really well. Inferior, superior. All you have to do is decide, is this inferior or is it superior? Can you do that? Okay, inferior, superior. So look to the screen. Uh, we have a rotary dial phone. All right, just don't say it. Don't shout it out. This is uh, for you to take. All right, and then you can compare notes on the way home and decide who did better. All right, inferior or superior. Just lock it in. All right, Vincent. Inwardly, Vincent. All right. A ver barrage of uh, brand new, all you can have smartphone. All right. Inferior, superior. Inferior, superior. I'll let you decide. All right. Next slide. All right. Uh, maybe you had one of these uh, at some point. Black and white. You know, you got to get up. There is no such thing as the remote control, right? Um, you got to get up out of your chair. That's your children, right? For those of you old enough. And you said, turn the knob and stand and hold the rabbit ears, all right? Inferior, superior. All right, next slide. Oh, not, not that far. The new curved television, all right? Um, the 4K, I don't know who makes it, but I know it's the 4K, and that's supposed to be really impressive. Uh, HD TV, and it comes with a remote. Inferior, superior. Inferior, superior. You get to decide. All right, next slide. The washboard and the bucket. Hmm. Now I know how my wife feels about laundry. I don't know how you feel about laundry, but um, you get to decide. Uh, whoever does the laundry in your house, you get to decide, inferior or superior. All right, next slide. Inferior or superior. All right, brand new, white, beautiful. I mean, did you notice in this picture how beautiful this washer and dryer is? It's so beautiful that you want to have it in your living room hanging next to your pictures. I mean, you, you definitely want this right front and center. I mean, I'm surprised there's not some coffee table right there. You know, hey, everybody, you want to see my new washer and dryer? <laughs> Inferior, superior. All right, next slide. Now... <clears throat> Inferior or superior, right? So this one, I'm just going to let kind of speak for itself. I'm going to show the next slide here. Inferior or superior? What do you think? Inferior or superior? 
Inferior, superior. Guys, I'll let you decide what you think. Now, I just wanted to have a little fun with you. Uh, so far, uh, many of you, if not all of you, uh, probably have 100% on this quiz. I think you probably understand uh, what is inferior and what is superior, uh, but I do want to have a little fun with you because uh, I want to create some tension on the ride home today. All right, inferior, superior. I'm looking at Dave Carlson because uh, uh, a while back I, I, I let Dave borrow a hat and he said, I need to get you a hat. And I said, uh, you don't need to do that. Um, Dave gave me a Ford hat, all right? So I'm playing, I'm playing with everybody. All right, so inferior, superior. Um, I'll let you decide. Um, hopefully you come back next Sunday, all right? <laughs> inferior... Superior. Now, we, ha we can have fun with things like inferior and superior, but we need to recognize that even in Scripture, right, uh, there is such thing as uh, inferior and superior. And in Hebrews 8, where we're going to be this morning, um, uh, there is such a thing as that which is inferior and that which is superior. I'm going to give you a chance to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8, where we're going to kind of uh, make our home this morning. Uh, if you are using the Pew Bible in front of you, it's uh, 800, page 842, I believe. So you have an opportunity to turn there. And I want you to be thinking about what is inferior and what is superior. Inferior and superior. When we get into the text, in Hebrews chapter 8, it's like the springtime comes out. I was thinking of this text in regards to seasons of the year, and I was just thinking, this text is the springtime. I love spring. It's one of my favorite seasons, and the reason I love it is because when you've had like those days where it's like, you know, 30 below zero, and the wind is howling out of the north, and, and it's snowing, and there's no leaves on the trees, and there's, there's snow on the ground, and it looks gray and dull and dark, and, and it's, it, it's a cloudy day, and the sun doesn't seem to shine for like ever. And then suddenly, like, the sun comes out, and then you get one warm day, and the snow begins to melt off. And, and the grass begins to poke back up through the earth, and it is absolutely wonderful. And you say, this is superior, and you just you soak it in. This text in Hebrews chapter 8 is the springtime. It's just showing us, it's this great reminder of the kind of privilege that we have in being Christians. It's this great reminder of the kind of appreciation that we need to have as we, as we continue to follow Jesus. The possibility of this text to the audience that it was first given to is that maybe they had lost the, a little bit of a vision of the kind of appreciation they have for a superior God. Uh, they had that brand new washer and dryer a really long time, and they began to say, eh, is it really that great? 
I begin to look at this text and I think of just the uh, tremendous grace that is available uh, to try and uh, communicate to us that, uh, that this, this God that we serve is superior in every way imaginable. Just, just think about the grace that's available in this text. And in chapter 8, what we have is this very interesting Old Testament quote uh, from about verse 8 all the way through almost the end of the chapter in verse 12. We have the longest Old Testament quote in the New Testament. Uh, Jeremiah is beginning to talk about the grandeur of what is to come and what was. And I just want to, to point out the number of things that God is going to do in this whole thing. There's all kinds of I wills in this particular passage. He says, I will make the covenant with them. And I will write the law on their hearts. And I will be their God. And I will be known to all. And I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sin no more. I will do all of this. That sounds pretty darn good, doesn't it? Right off the bat, we just sense like God is superior. He, he's doing something that we ought to appreciate. Now, a couple years ago, uh, the first time I went to Nepal, uh, we were flying from Abu Dhabi uh, in the Middle East to Kathmandu. And there was this long line and the plane was full and, and it was kind of stuffy. And, you know, I mean, it's flying from one place to another on a full airplane. And, and if you've flown much, it kind of gets old after a while. Uh, the nostalgia kind of wears off and you're like, I have to get back in that airplane with all those people. And I was coming up to where I was handing in my ticket, and they looked at me, and they asked me if I would like an upgrade. I said, let me think about it. <laughs> yes. And they said, Mike, we would like to give you the opportunity to fly first class. Abu Dhabi to Kathmandu. This is a long flight. That means I get a little extra seat room. I get a little extra leg room. I get nice meals. They, did you know that in first class, they come by like with this wet towel and, a, and like a pair of tongs, you know, and, and, and they give it to you. Like they don't even touch it. They bring it out of a basket. I didn't know what to do with that, so I, I looked at the guy next to me. I guess you're supposed to take it and like wipe your face off and stuff. But I got a free... Upgrade to first class. Sounds pretty good. What Jesus is offering us is an upgrade to first class. He's saying, I'm going to give you a covenant. I'm going to enter into a relationship with you that is absolutely the best upgrade that you could possibly imagine. And it is every reason, it gives every reason imaginable as to why you might appreciate and live in gratitude to who God is. Now, I mentioned this covenant word. Notice verse 13, by calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. Now, what 
What is a covenant? There's nothing that stirs a congregation quite like technical words that we find in Scripture like covenant. A covenant is really a, a contract. It's an agreement. It's really got two parts to it. One part is kind of like a marriage, right? Uh, when someone comes and they come to be married, we have a marriage ceremony, and, and the bride and the groom come up and, and they give vows to one another. And it's equal and it's relational, and, and they come together and they pledge themselves to one another. And in one way, this is a part of a covenant. God says, I desire to have a relationship with you. And so he initiates this covenant and says, hey, will you vow yourself to me? And so we come to God and say, absolutely, I vow my life to you, to serve you, to praise you, to worship you. That's one side of the covenant. The other side of the covenant is a little more like a mortgage. Now, that doesn't sound all that much fun, but let me explain. So there's a relational side, that marriage side to the covenant, but there's also that bank and mortgage side. The bank and the mortgage side, uh, when you and I uh, go to get a mortgage, we want to own a home, uh, the bank holds the cards and they are, they are offering us something and we can either accept it or reject it in some way. In some way, a covenant is an agreement, a contract of relationship between two people. In this case, one of the, couple, one of the people is God. Now, you and I need to know that we're not equal with God. You and I aren't equal with the bank. They set the level at the interest that we're going to have to pay, don't they? And so in that way, it's unequal. We don't get to negotiate with them. We either say yes or no. And so you and I have this great opportunity to say, well, are we going to enter into this marriage relationship uh, with God, recognizing that He is the greater party or not? And so this morning, maybe you have an opportunity to say for the first time, uh, and maybe just renew your covenant with God and say, I am going to... To follow you. I'm going to trust you more than I trust myself. I want to enter into this. Now, I say all of that because uh, the point in uh, Hebrews 8 is just simply to say um, that this covenant that Christ is offering is superior to the one that was offered before. That he's offering something superior to what was inferior, right? Ladies, do you really want to go back to washing clothes on, on a grater or whatever we call that thing? No. Washboard, thank you. A grater, okay, cheese. The point is, do you want what is superior or will you willingly accept what's inferior? You see, something that we recognize about the Old Covenant is that the assumption was sin. The assumption of the Old Covenant was that we were going to sin and that we need to just recognize what sin was. It was a flashlight 
but there was no vehicle. Uh, the old covenant was, well, it was a signpost, but it wasn't a road. It gave us something to say, that's what sin is, but it didn't offer us any power to be able to deal with sin. It'd be something like, my friend here. Well, hello. Everybody, I want you to meet uh, Douglas the dog. Douglas is a puppet. How many of you would love to have Douglas preach every Sunday? I love to preach. How many of you would just love Douglas to preach? Well, now, don't raise your hands. Some of you may prefer Douglas. You see, the superiority and inferiority of the Old Covenant to the New Covenant is something like saying, uh, Douglas could come and preach every Sunday. You could have a puppet or you could have a person. And which one would you rather have? That's what Hebrews 8 is really trying to say. It's trying to say, what would you rather have? And if you are overwhelmingly saying, like I am saying, that, that God's covenant that He offers to us is really far superior to anything else, uh, then, then this text, I think, just pushes us into this gratitude that we ought to have about living the life that we get to live. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. Sometimes we can become numb to the kind of privileges that Christ is offering. And so he just continues to pour on and say, Did I tell you how good this covenant is that you have with me? All day yesterday I was doing some running and uh, I had this song going through my head in regards to this particular message. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Why do you pay paradise? Because you don't know what you have until it's gone. Yesterday I had the privilege of running. I was laughing earlier. One of the elders, his name is Charlie, was asking me uh, the purpose for this run. And I kind of looked at him funny and I said, well, it's, it's a run. He said, well, yeah, but what's the purpose? And I said, to run. And so I had the privilege of being a part of this running that was happening yesterday. It's the largest single relay in the United States uh, right there uh, in Nebraska. And we were going from Omaha to Lincoln. And uh, there was a team of seven of us, and you kind of hand the baton from one person to the next. And, and uh, being the largest single relay in the United States, there was uh, over 500 teams and 4,500-plus runners. That's a lot. Now, one of the things I've learned about being around runners as long as I have is that runners uh, often, uh, in between stages, like to go to the bathroom. So there's all these lines of porta-potties. Every stage we would stop, there's five, six, seven porta-potties. 
And we had a later stage, and so you'd go into the bathroom, and you'd see people like looking, like they'd open up the bathroom, looking. You know what they were looking for? Toilet paper. When there's 4,500 runners that are in front of you, you check for toilet paper. There were almost no toilet paper in any porta potty on all day yesterday. Makes for very interesting conversation along the way. Now, here's where I'm going with all of this. You're going, Mike. It seems like the, the train has jumped the track. Superior and inferior. I want to I talk about that. The very last stage, there's this line of porta potties. This woman has just come out and her team is standing over, uh, over, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 feet away. And she shouts out, this one had toilet paper. <laughs> I was, happened to be walking over and I, I caught uh, the, the gist of what she was saying and I just began laughing. And she kind of looked at me and I said, well, you know it's been a long day when... Here's my point. We become grateful. We begin to appreciate what it is that we have when we recognize that it's gone. And none of us would shake a stick at having toilet paper when we go into the bathroom unless we didn't have some. And, and the point of, of Hebrews 8 is, is beginning to, to recognize uh, Hey, don't go back to something that's inferior when God has given you something that's absolutely superior. Uh, maybe we can begin to appreciate what it is that God has given to us. And there's this whole list of things that we begin to compare and contrast in Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 9. There's an earthly tabernacle and then there's a heavenly one where Christ is. There is this temporary covenant, and then there is the eternal covenant with God. There is the blood of the involuntary animals that cleanses only partially, and then there is the blood of the voluntary sacrifice of God's Son forever. There's the repetition of the incomplete sacrifice with the animals, and there is the once-for-all sacrifice with Christ. There's the annual reminder that we are still in our sin before, and then with Christ, there is a constant reminder of our forgiveness. Are you all tracking on this? Sometimes we need to know and appreciate what it is that is superior And we need to know because otherwise we're going to pave paradise and put up a parking lot. This text just continues to push on us to live in appreciation and gratitude for all that it is that Christ has done. So if you'll allow me just a couple of more moments. Look at the things that Christ entices us to Look at verse 10. We grow in appreciation and in gratitude because we know that God is radically transforming our lives from something old to something new. 
Verse 10, this is the covenant I'm going to make with the house of Israel. And after that time, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I'm going to be their God and they will be my people. Uh, does anybody know uh, what, were the, what was the old covenant written on? Stone. It was written on stone. When God made the covenant with Moses... At Sinai, he wrote, he wrote it on stone. And now God is shifting and he's transforming. And he's saying, I'm not going to write it on stone. It's not going to be any, on, any kind of piece of paper. It's not going to be destroyed in some way. I'm going to write it on the lives of people. And I'm going to transform them via the Holy Spirit in ways that they can't begin to imagine. Our lives begin to change. Why? Because God says, I'm going to transform your life from something old to something new by writing my very words on your life. Relationally, God begins to change our perspective, doesn't he? And he allows us really to begin to appreciate and have gratitude for what's superior. And say, God, I love living here. I love my new television. It's wonderful. Thank you for giving it to me. Lord, I love this relationship that you offer. Uh, this last summer, uh, my daughter had the privilege of uh, joining her uncle, who is a Twins season ticket holder. And he took her to a Twins game, and they arrived, I don't know, uh, two hours or something before the game, and they're walking around the stadium, and they're snapping pictures and, and doing kind of the fan thing. This is Lydia's first major league baseball game, and she's soaking it in. Her, her, her uncle was uh, willing to like buy her the Twins jersey and everything, and she's having a great time. And then one of the people that works there uh, was handing out free programs. Now, if you know my daughter, she loves free stuff, right? She's like the rest of us. Oh, you said free? I want one. What is it? So she gets this free uh, program, and she's looking at it, and she tells the, the gal that's handing out the programs like her life story, right? Well, hi, my name is Lydia, and um, this is my very first Major League Baseball game. And so they go on from there, and, and this gal happened to tell one of the higher-ups, one of the VPs of marketing or something, and, and she said, there's a little girl down there that you need to be the ball girl for the twins tonight. So Lydia gets to take their resin bag, or rosin bag, I don't know it's resin or rosin, and the ball out to the mound... Target Field in Minnesota. I'm jealous. <laughs> and she gets to run out there and be acknowledged and like get free stuff. Before that encounter, my daughter could have cared less about the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> But after that encounter, her life is all about the Minnesota Twins. In fact, in the way up this morning, she's constantly asking, Dad, did Minnesota win last night? Would you check your phone, Dad? Did Minnesota win? 
I had to inform her this morning on the way up that Minnesota had been eliminated from playoff contention last night. And I kid you not, she goes, oh. Now what would transform that? She had an experience tied to a relationship that changed her perspective. Gang, we have a superior God who has given us an opportunity to enter into a relationship and when we do, we come out the other side. Maybe we didn't care about some things before, but we find ourselves caring about them now because we have a God who's transforming our lives from the inside out. And we begin to care and have an appreciation and a gratitude for the kind of superior relationship that Jesus is offering to us. Now, really quickly, look at verse 12. We grow in appreciation because God is busy eradicating sin. Now, look at this. It's beautiful. Verse 12, For I will forgive their wickedness and will, will remember their sins no more. No more. That sounds pretty good. As a kid, I remember that I was with my dad and we were, we were uh, uh, delivering. My dad's a truck driver and we were delivering some product to a particular store. And uh, it was like juice bottles and, and candy and things of that nature. And um, I, had a, I had the hand truck and I was coming down uh, uh, the, uh, the ramp uh, off the trailer and I had stacked a couple of uh, uh, bottles uh, or a couple of cases of bottled grape juice on the bottom, uh, which was fine, except I took the corner too hard, and one of those cases fell off the hand truck and broke several bottles of grape juice. It wasn't it wasn't a huge deal, you might say, except this particular owner of this particular store uh, was really going to grind Dad about it. And Dad didn't even hesitate. He pulled out his wallet and said, well, how much will those bottles be? You see, the relationship that we're being offered is God pulling out his wallet and saying, how much are those sins going to be? And he sent his son, who was willing to die on a cross, so that when you and I are looked upon by God, he says, your sins have already been paid for. Superior or inferior? That's where the quiz ends. You get to decide. And so my hope is that you leave here in great appreciation and gratitude for the kind of relationship that is offered to you. Let's pray. Gracious God, you're good, and uh, you offer us a superior covenant unlike anything else we can possibly imagine. And so I pray uh, that we will live in great appreciation and gratitude for what it is that you're doing and we will wrap our hands around the superior covenant, the superior relationship. And we will love it. And we will surrender because of it.
We love you. We want to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>